This is Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness. Life-Changing Wellness. Here's Dr. Ward Bond. I'm Dr. Ward Bond, and I welcome you to Life-Changing Wellness, episode number 122. This week's episode is brought to you by Bayleaf Sports Activewear. Bayleaf Sports gives you today's new technology, such as compression, airflow technology, and lightweight materials in all of its great products. High quality at affordable prices, and use my code, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Bond, and receive 15% off anytime you order from Bayleaf Sports. So go to bayleaf.com, that's B-A-L-E-A-F.com. Now, before we begin, please head over to iTunes after the interview with my guest today. Rate and review the show for me, and I thank you ahead of time for making our show great. And I encourage you to look up my show page on RadioMD.com slash Dr. Bond. Well, my esteemed guest this week is Gigi Garner. Being born the daughter of Hollywood icon James Garner automatically placed a silver spoon in her mouth. Her words, not mine. Even though her birthright gave her certain advantages in life, Gigi has one of the longest bios, so instead of me telling her story, she will tell her story here in a moment. But we talk about the incredible legacy of her father, actor James Garner. As you know from TV shows such as Maverick and the Rockford Files, incredible films such as Grand Prix, The Great Escape, Space Cowboys, and The Notebook, just a few of his great successes as he starred in over 70 films. Gigi Garner and her company, Gigi Garner Management, was ranked the number one talent manager in the IMDb directory five times, and one of her goals is to carry on her father's legacy in any way she can, and she is gearing up to take over her father's legendary brand, Cherokee Productions, which is responsible for various well-known films and, of course, the successful TV series, The Rockford Files. And in June of 2019, she launched a nonprofit charity called the James Garner Animal Rescue Fund in honor of her late father who passed away in 2014. And Gigi has been a passionate animal rescuer for over 30 years, and her mission is to continue to devote her life to helping animals. So today we discuss her famous father, James Garner, her career, and most importantly, the James Garner Animal Rescue Fund, as I know many of my listeners are pet lovers just like myself. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Gigi Garner. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Oh, you are so welcome. You know, it's funny because I was reading your bio and then I was reading your father's bio and it seems like uh, for you, you lived many lives in one lifetime. And... Um, probably more than most uh, people that I've ever interviewed, uh, you've covered the gamut when it comes to careers. So let me first ask you the most important question here. What was it like being the daughter of one of the most beloved actors of our time, your father, James Garner? Hmm. Well, gosh, it's such a difficult question to answer because I don't really have anything to compare it to. <laughs> but I will say... I hit the lottery in the father department. Really? My dad was an exceptional human being. And forgive me for bragging, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, please and do. I may be I may be a little prejudiced, but I know that there's never been a bad word said about him. And he has he lived his life by the golden rule. And I've not known many people who've ever been able to achieve that. And I, I really respect my dad for, you know, his, his principles, his morals, 
um, and just just the the example that he set. Um, he treated everyone the same, uh, from you know the landscaper to the head of the studio. In fact, probably treated the landscaper much better. <laughs> um, he just he just had a real gift, uh, just an inherent gift for kindness. And um, I'm very proud of my dad. Obviously, I'm very proud of him. Well, if you if you could choose one memory of your father, what would it be? Ah, that's so hard to. Um, there's a million memories because you know my dad lived until he was 86. Yeah. Um, we did so many fun things together, but I my, I had the fun dad. My friends really loved being around uh, him uh, because he would do things like. Um, there was a balcony over our swimming pool and it was quite high. So we want, the kids wanted to jump off the balcony, but my dad had to do it first to make sure (laughs) that it was safe enough for us to do. And he would monitor us. So he did it first and then it was okay. And then we ended up jumping off the balcony quite a bit. Um, You, You know, that. That, that's funny that you brought that up because as I was reading your, your father's bio, one of the things that really stuck out to me was that he really did a lot of his own stunts in a lot of the, you know, like the Rockford Files especially, and then even in film. And it right. really seemed to take a toll on his body, didn't it? It did. He really got beat up. And he really got beat up when he got into racing. And, of course, he... Uh, did all the stunts and all the driving in Grand Prix, um, a beautiful film with John Frankenheimer. Um, And at the time, it was really interesting because all the actors were from Europe. And so most of them had never driven a car before. (laughs) And they didn't even have driver's licenses. So my dad actually... um, really always loved going fast and driving. And so he went to the Bob Bondurant school of driving and learned how to become a race car driver. And then he later drove himself in the Baja 1000. I believe he came in second. Um, And he drove, he did his own racing and owned a racing team. So yes, when you see that J turn on the Rockford files, he created that. You know, it's it's funny because when I was a kid, we we my brother and I had this book, and it was called Hollywood Stars and Their Cars. And oh, one of the one of and and we're still. I talked to him the other day. I said, "Where's that book?" And so we're still trying <laughs> to find the book. But what was so funny about this? And now that I'm I'm talking to you, which is just most incredible honor, is that in the book it showed a picture of your father with his seventy olds cutlass banshee and what was funny was it was james garner clint eastwood steve mcqueen all of these guys i mean even james dean you know they all loved cars but they loved racing at the same time and and i just and that was really my first uh introduction to who your father was was by the fact that he drove this off-road olds cutlass and right. then as time goes on, I'm like, wow, you know, that's the guy that had the car. And it was so funny. Like, you know, you saw it the other night on Twitter. Everybody, everybody was kind of like enthused about, 
you know, the movie Grand Prix. They were enthused about, you know, the off-road Olds Cutlass. And that your dad actually raced these cars on his own. And not only that, he was the Grand Marshal three times at the Indy 500. Yes, he was the pace car driver three times. In oh, fact, I was there driver, with him yeah. the last time. The last time he drove the pace car was 1985. And I went to the race with him, and that was so much fun. Yeah, and you know that, and I just love that because you know we, the whole world knows James Garner as this incredible actor, and 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 when I look at just the pictures of him, and when I see the films, and in in the early times, and even when he got older, he he always had this, and, and I like to call it a trademark smile. Maybe it was a trademark mm -hmm. smirk, but there was always that yeah. look on his face in which. There was a friendliness there where it's almost that he was obtainable. He was reachable and and not like some mm. of these stars today. It, and, and as he got older, then he kind of became, I guess, to a lot of us, it's almost like this father figure when he took over John Ritter's role in mm -hmm. Eight Simple Rules. You know, we really mm -hmm. we really grabbed a, a hold of that uh, type of character. Yeah. he. A lot of people tell me they remind they remind him of their father or their grandfather. He kind of did have a very sort of fatherly type of demeanor, even especially when he got older and he, he was in the notebook and things. Yeah, my like son that. tricked me into watching that movie one time, and then and then at the very end, yeah. and of course, I was like you know millions of other people, you're grabbing the Kleenex box. But to me, it was it's probably one of the most beautiful love stories as a movie that I've ever seen. And, and it was funny because I was thinking about the other day preparing for this interview and I'm thinking, well, my gosh, you know, James Garner, you know, was in the notebook and I'm like, wow, you know, that, that's going to be, that's a film that people will always watch. That will be a film that everybody will talk about forever. I mean, I mean, think about the great, that that's an incredible impact on society because everybody has their different opinions about the movie, The Mo Notebook. But, you know, some people think about Ryan Gosling. But what's funny is, is I don't re really think about Ryan Gosling being in the movie. I'm thinking about James <laughs> Garner. That, and that's me because I grew up with James Garner, the actor. Right. So that's how I view it. But, you know, your father had, you know, what was your father's favorite film that he had ever starred in? His favorite was always a film called The Americanization of Emily with Julie Andrews and he worked with Julie Andrews three times. He worked with her in the Americanization of Emily, Victor Victoria, which Blake Edwards, her husband directed, and then a Hallmark special called One Special Night. Um, but the Americanization of Emily was a very sort of controversial subject at the time. I believe it was 1964. Um, it was a screenplay by Patty Chayefsky, uh, and it for for whatever reason this project really meant a lot to him and so he always told everyone that that was his favorite project i think uh, really it's a tie between that and grand prix because the driving in grand prix was the best that was the most fun he's ever had i think yeah you know i i i put the, the when it comes to racing films i put grand prix with your dad then there's le mans with steve mcqueen and I hate to say this, but I was not a big fan of Rush. 
at all because of the CGI and the story was all wrong. I mean, I know that, um, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of the, uh, the director, Opie. I'm trying to think of his name, but anyway, yeah, Ron um, Howard, you know, Ron, Ron Howard, Howard says, Ron Howard is great, but the, the story is. was wrong. Yeah. The story was wrong because I know that because I'm a big, big adamant formula one fan and the history of formula one, that story uh-huh. was completely wrong. It should have never been focused on James Hunt, but it's another story. It should have been focused on <laughs> Nikki Lauda. Plain and right. simple, because that was the story, and that's all that mattered. But you know what? You know, Ron uh-huh. Howard said that Grand Prix was the best racing movie ever made. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I I agree because that was you know that was the time when you know they would have more you know back in the fifties, the sixties, and into the seventies, you would average one or two driver deaths a season. I mean, that's how yeah. dangerous it was. But yeah. I, we could, I could talk race it forever. But anyway, I want to talk about your dad. I want to talk about you. I want to talk about the animal rescue fund. And, okay. but I have to say this because I love, you know, he is known, you know, I know that it's kind of, his career is, is, is so great because it's like his career is split in different sections. People remember him as Maverick. People, tons of people remember him as Jim Rockford. And again, when it comes to the cars, we all remember the the goldish brown Pontiac Firebird, and and then I love Space Cowboys. I mean, Clint Eastwood, Tommy Lee Jones. It it was just a great story. You know, I could watch Apollo thirteen, but I'd rather watch Space Cowboys. It was just funny. There was you know everything in that movie was there. I just loved it. And then of course we've talked about the Notebook. Uh, but your dad, I mean, it's you know what. Did he like, what would it, you know, when it came to work, did he like doing the feature films more or did he like doing the TV series? You know, if it was Rockford Files or if it was Maverick or if it was, you know, Eight Simple Rules. You know, he did another series called Nichols that was his actual favorite series he ever did. And it was only on for a season and it got canceled, but he really loved that, that show. And you can get, you can see it on Amazon. It's called Nichols. It's really fun. It's got Stuart Margolin in it uh, from the Rocker Files and Margot Kidder and some really cool people. Um, and it was a fun series. You know, I think doing a series is much more physically taxing. So I'd have to say you get a lot more time <laughs> to make a film. But my dad yeah. was one of these actors who could go back and forth from TV to film, from TV to film. There's a lot of actors who can't do that because they're just not believable in their film role or you know what I mean or it's strange to see them you know on what? TV you, or whatever you're the you're the first one that's really brought that up and and I've never really thought about that way but you're right your your dad knew how to work you know both types of industry when it came to film if it's film is TV and you know you, you today you get you know some of these uh, big movie stars and they won't dare look at doing television for any reason and right. And then, but you get a lot of TV stars that may make a successful jump to film and it does kind of work that way. And then once they get in the film, they never come back to television, but your dad was so uh, versatile that, you know, when I saw him in film and then I saw him on TV, I didn't see this um, disconnect of this massive movie star and he's doing television because, you know, some Mm -hmm. movie stars think it's a step down, but it wasn't, it was just you know, he, you know, and I think it has to do with the fact that, you know, when the Rockford Files came out, it, it was that really that that most perfect time of television. That's when you had the the biggest, most successful shows 
and and that's I think you know with Rockford Files was it Starsky and Hutch you know there was always these types of de- uh, detective shows that were really cool to watch, but yeah he was so versatile in in that area. But um, well, I but think you're, one of the yeah. things that really made that work was my dad liked to work. <laughs> and so whatever the project was, he was up for it. I mean, he really loved to go to work. That was what, you know, invigorated him, uh, made him get up in the morning. He loved to work. That was his his thing. So, you know, he 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 was lucky enough to be able to be accepted in going back and forth from TV to film to TV to film. So but he did love to work. He really did. That and, was his thing. And he and he finally retired at the age of eighty two. So he I mean, he worked a long time and I guess it was just that love. Is it is it hard to walk away from that type of career? Well, I mean, I think at one point he was like, Oh, maybe I'll, you know, just chill out for a while but then I think it really um he missed it a little bit after taking a break and he just you know, he did what he could, you know, wanted to do, and that was lucky. And then as he got older, he really was in not the best physical health, and so he couldn't really work much. Um, he had a stroke at one point um, and um, surgery, multiple surgeries and things. So he uh, kind of a little bit forced into retirement. Well, I would say. Well, when I read his bio, I was surprised that, um, and you'll know the year better than I would, but he had a quadruple bypass. Was that 85 mm-hmm. or 88? You know what? And... He had so many surgeries, I can't keep track of all of them. I mean, he <laughs> well, had double knee replacement. He had aorta replacement. He had a, a quadruple bypass. He had he had all kinds of things. So, you know, he wasn't, he really beat himself up. I mean, I, I think... If you if you are familiar with the Cutlass 442, <laughs> like yes, the Banshee, I am. like the off-road Banshee, I mean, can you imagine going a thousand miles with that suspension? <laughs> no, I can't because Your I've body. seen the pictures. Because yeah, oh well, you know, I owned. I mean, I personally owned a 1970 Olds Cutlass convertible SX with a 455, so I know what 500 pounds of torque feels like. So. And so that that's probably one reason why I'm kind of a James Garner fan on the car side. But uh, I want to, and, and ladies and gentlemen, you need to go online and you need to research James Garner. You need to look up his films. I don't care if you go to Netflix or wherever you're going to go. You need to pull some of these films and start watching them. And some of you I know in this country are still stuck at home. So you got plenty of time to check out the 70 films that James Garner has done, but I want to talk to you, Gigi, about you because, you know, you had gone to film school. You had did a short stint with the CAA and you ended up being a songwriter and a, a, a singer and a performer in London and around. How did all that come about? Oh, God only knows. Um, (laughs) I, (laughs) I think like you were saying, I've, I've had a lot of careers. I think I'm, jack of all trades and master of none. I kind of go and do something that I'm interested in. And then I reach sort of a modicum of success. And then I move on. I realized like, I'm never going to ever accomplish anything like my dad accomplished. And that's okay. Because I'm just so proud of him. Um, And I believe it's my responsibility and my job as his daughter to carry on his legacy. And so I've had all these careers. I, 
I was a staff songwriter at Word Records in Nashville for many years, and I was lucky enough to write three number one Christian songs, and I'm very proud of that. Um, what 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 are the three songs? Because I know that you had uh, sent me one of those. I wrote many many songs. However, um, one of them is called "This Heart of Mine" by Babby Mason. Yes. Um, one of them is called "Tender Reed" by Lisa Bevel, and the other one is Troy Johnson. I'll be there with you. Wow. But as a staff writer, I wrote with so many Christian artists, with Bruce Carroll, with Anointed, with Greg Long, with, I mean, I know Greg I, Long, uh, Sandy Patty. I love Greg Long. Oh, I yeah. Greg lives a couple of miles from me. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, okay. Yeah, he go, yeah, yeah. because uh, Carrie Shook's church is uh, not but like three miles down the road, and, and he's on the praise team down there. And of course, you know, Anointed is back together. Awesome. So, uh, and we follow each other on uh, social media, so yeah, Greg's just right down um, the road. <laughs> so, but let me so ask I wrote, you something. I think yeah. three songs on his one of his albums um, with his producers. Wow. Uh, go ahead. Well, let me ask you this because how in the world did you go from a career? I mean, I'd say probably you know pop type music, and then you ended up being a staff writer at Word, writing Christian songs. How did that? How did that even happen? Well, I guess because I became a Christian. Amen. <laughs> uh, I had been originally baptized in Pat Boone's swimming pool. Get uh, out of here. <laughs> <laughs> That's about as Hollywood because, as you could get. <laughs> because his youngest daughter was one, my best friend. She's still one of my best friends. Wow. Um, but uh, when I moved to Nashville, I joined a church and I started singing in the choir and then I started writing Christian music. It was just something that just kind of happened uh, and developed organically. Yeah. And um, that's how I ended up at Word. And then I, I, you know, I've done so many different, you know, array of things. I was a jewelry designer for. I read you know, that, but I want, I want to. There's a question I want to ask you. Yeah, and I want, I want to ask you a question. Is this is probably kind of a personal question so don't don't be in fear it's not that personal um but i'll let you say yay or nay if you want to answer it but i'm curious because since you became a a christian which praise the lord for that and um and being a christian songwriter what was your father's belief you know my father was very private about his beliefs mm -hmm. uh he was born a methodist um I will say that I'll have to reiterate what I said earlier was he lived by the golden rule. Amen. So he wasn't, you know, claiming or proclaiming anything. It's just he lived as a Christian would live. Good. In my okay. opinion. Well, I, I like that answer. I like that answer a lot. And let's, let's move into the James Garner Animal Rescue Fund. How did that come about? And it was so funny because I was reading, uh, I was doing research on your father, and I thought it was really kind of funny that uh, he he actually had a, a rescue dog, uh, Nicky, which actually he yeah. named him Nicotine because he, he was trying to quit smoking. Uh, was that his <laughs> first? Was that his first rescue dog, or did he have others before before no. Nicky? No, he had other rescues. He had a Great Dane he rescued. He had a Boxer he rescued. 
Um, no, he ended up uh, rescuing Nikki because he was going to do a commercial for an anti-smoking product, and he had to quit smoking. <laughs> and so he and his best friend took a motorhome out in the middle of the desert so they couldn't get to any cigarettes. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this little fluffy puppy just ended up right in front of them at the door of the motorhome. My dad just scooped him up, took him home. And named him Nicotine, and we called him Nicky. Oh, so, that, is, that is so that is so funny. That is so cool. My dad um, was a huge animal advocate, and I've been a rescuer for over thirty years. Um, when my dad passed away in two thousand fourteen, there was nothing. He did not have a service or a memorial or anything like that because he didn't want people making a fuss over him. Mm. I, I read and that. So, and I, I read that. And, you know, I, I had a, a very close friend, a mentor of mine that when, when, when she had passed, she said the exact same thing and they basically did graveside and that was it. And, and there are people that are that way. They just don't want to be fussed over even, even when they leave earth, you know, and, um, uh, you know, he was just a very humble man and he didn't want anybody making a fuss. So what, I wanted to do was I wanted to carry on my dad's legacy somehow and it just made sense to me to do it through our connection and love of animals and that's why I created the James Garner Animal Rescue Fund which is JG Arf and yes. um when when he passed there wasn't any way for his fans to pay tribute to him at all and so what I thought was Maybe I'll create this this 501c3 charity, and maybe that his fans, if they enjoyed his work, they can contribute and make a donation or whatever. I also have some merchandise um, that I created as well, but um, I just decided that I would do this because this is what I'm absolutely passionate about. I love it. So what? So what, what does? Do. Yeah. So what does uh, JGR? uh do uh for the uh the rescued animals um well what i do is i don't rescue the animals myself anymore i have two rescues here but i don't do it myself i used to break dogs out of hot cars and you know get them out of the pound <laughs> wow. and, and things like that physically but um what i do is i network with rescuers all over the world um, I mostly rescue death row animals or animals with serious medical conditions. I use the donations for evacuations, emergency medical care, adoptions, training, pet supplies, food, shelter, rehab, boarding, you know, you name it, transportation, anything that's needed. And I have a network of other rescuers all over the world that that I that I work with that come to me if they have a problem uh if they need help I just have a dog that um I'm I rescue that I help rescue who had to have a very rare heart surgery um and I raised the money for that and uh now we're looking for a home for him and that's the one that you you posted on Twitter the other night correct Yes, Kiefer. He's in Florida. He's in the Fort Lauderdale, Gainesville area. If anybody uh, has maybe recently lost a pet or has room in their heart for 
a dog with a heart condition. Uh, he's a very sweet dog, and uh, he's been badly abused, and he deserves a better life, and I'm going to make sure that he gets one. Yeah, and I, and I know that a lot of people out there retweeted, uh, was trying to find out more information about Kiefer, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, you know, a lot of you who listen to my podcast, you're, you're pet lovers. You love animals. If it's dogs, cats, horses, um, you understand what animal rescue is. And there are so many pets out there that need a home. They need tender, loving care. They need someone that's going to take care of them and love them because they want to, they want to get that love. But at the same time, they're ready to love you back. I mean, you know, we have the most incredible, uh, dog here at home and you know i always make the comment our little hazel you know we can give her so much love but she just loves to give it back and and i know that uh, you gg understand that when it comes to pets and for everyone out there listening they can actually go to jgarf.org and actually make a donation to the fund yes um actually i have a paypal it's paypal.me backslash Ms. Gigi Garner, M-S-G-I-G-I-G-A-R-N-E-R. It's on my Twitter. My Twitter is at Mavrocks Girl, uh, Gigi and James Garner. The my So my Twitter is at Mavrock. It's Maverick and Rockford together. So Mavrocks Girl. For some reason, I never picked that up. I'm thinking maybe Maverick's Girl was taken and you just changed it to an O. Now I know. <laughs> <laughs> now, now My it dad's makes per- license plate is <laughs> really? Maverick. Wow, yeah. that is cool. I, boy, that is, uh, <laughs> y- you, you better trademark that because I, I can see great things with that name alone. So, uh, wow. So, you know, I love the fact that you are keeping your father's legacy alive. Um, animal rescue, I think, is one of the one of the greatest things uh, someone can do. And knowing that your father loved animals, it just makes perfect sense. And Gigi, my gosh, I know that I could talk to you for another hour, and it's just been an absolute pleasure today to have you on the program. Thank you so much for asking me to come on the program. I really do appreciate it. I don't feel like I deserve it or anything, uh, <laughs> but I, I do feel like I'm very, very grateful. Uh, anybody, anybody, anytime anybody wants to talk to me about my dad, I'm more than happy to. Well, I think I think one I think one of the biggest things that I see that you have obtained from your father is his sense of humility. And, um, but you are extremely talented. Um, when I read your bio, I mean, even when you became a private detective, I think that worried your father. (laughs) It's like, you don't need to be too happy about that. Yeah. You you don't need to be a real life Jim Rockford. Okay. So, uh, you know, and and I, I can understand that. I will say it looks more, it looks more glamorous on TV. <laughs> that I would believe. That I would absolutely believe. And um, real quick, what was your father's last film? Um, I think his last film was something called The Ultimate Gift. I'm going to have to look that one up. You might want to check yeah, it out. Yeah, because I know the last one I saw was probably <laughs> The Notebook. That I that I besides yeah. Space Cowboys, but I'm sure there was a few after that as well. And you know, and I and I have to say this because 
uh, again, reading his bio, um, I thought it was really cool that when he, he actually felt honored that uh, when he was asked to replace John Ritter after John Ritter unexpectedly passed away to take over a, a role with Eight Simple Rules, that he loved working with younger actors. And I think in a way that was almost like him kind of being a, a mentor to the cast. Oh, yeah. I mean, they literally called him Grandpa. They absolutely <laughs> loved him, and he absolutely loved and adored them. And because I don't have children, they really became his grandkids. Wow. That is so great. And he did Eight Simple Rules for two seasons, correct? I think, I think it, was it was two, two seasons. seasons, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. he was it, forever in love with these three kids and Katie and he was it was such a serendipitous just wonderful thing that he could step in there when they really needed you know a grandfather figure so it really worked out well yeah I I hope that as more actors and actresses get older that they start becoming mentors to a, a younger generation of actors and actresses. I think they need that. Um, you know, I see a lot of them now. I think they are still full of themselves, but, uh, I, but there was a one question I do want to ask and about your father. What did he think about Hollywood as a whole? You know, he didn't really pay much attention to Hollywood. He just wasn't into the Hollywood scene. He wasn't into parties. He wasn't into awards. He was just more serious about the work. The work was the most important part, not the all the frivolous things that went with it. So he really didn't pay much attention to it. Wow, I, I love that. And, and you know, I, I have interviewed uh, a lot of famous musicians, and when I talk to them, it's so funny that uh, even with today's uh, musicians, a lot of them don't get into the whole party thing anymore. You know, I, I've, I've been backstage so many times with, with these people that it was, it's funny now when you don't hear anybody wanting beer, they're just saying, where's my green tea at? <laughs> you know? So it's, it's just, it's just completely it's different. It's a little bit and different, I've, I think. <laughs> it, it is. And you know, it, it's kind of like, uh, it, it's kind of like, you know, especially with the rock stars, the older they get, it seems like they're becoming more immortal. Most people think Keith Richards will never die. And <laughs> so, but, uh, but again, Gigi, it's been an absolute pleasure and honor. I, I pray that, t uh, today's episode brings honor to your father's legacy. And ladies and gentlemen, please, if you have a dog, a cat, I don't care if you have a horse or a rabbit and you love animals, take time, go to jgarf.org. That is the James Garner Animal Rescue Fund and make a donation. If, you know, buy some merch, do something because whatever you do is going to help an animal to live a better life, to be healthier. Just like we had talked about the dog Kiefer who had a special heart surgery done. You know, every animal needs that chance to have a happy loving owner and uh, because every animal out there is ready to give back and we need to give to them. And again, Gigi, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. 
Thank you so much for having me. I, I truly appreciate it. Oh, you are so welcome. And ladies and gentlemen, remember to catch every episode of Life-Changing Wellness. Just hit subscribe on iTunes or on my show page at RadioMD.com slash Dr. Bond. And if I can just ask you a favor, please take 30 seconds and rate the show on iTunes. And remember, this is a five-star show, so give us a five-star review. And thank you for doing that for me as we want to bring you the best show possible. Just look up Dr. Bond's Life-Changing Wellness on any streaming service, and you can learn more about me at DrWardBond.com. And again, thank you for listening to Life-Changing Wellness. And remember... Something spectacular happens when you treat your body right. Have a blessed day, everyone.